Hey there, welcome to Blockhead, the Peanuts tribute podcast from a cartoonist's point of view. My name is Jeff Grogan, and I will be your host for the next few minutes to talk about Peanuts, Charles Schultz, and all things Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, and Snoopy too. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome back. As promised, the second part of our interview with Brad Perry, cartoonist behind the wonderfully absurd comic strip Pirate Mike, which can be found on gocomics.com. And uh, we begin our interview today with Brad turning the tables on me a little bit and asking a couple of questions about my own work. And uh, then that takes us back to Charles Schultz and then to a whole host of other topics related to comic strips. It's amazing when you use Schultz as a a foundation upon which to build a conversation, how far afield and how deep into the realm of comic strips you go and can go, because in one way or another, all roads in comic strips today lead back to Charles Schultz. So uh, without further ado, Brad Perry and myself, and I will check in with you at the end of the episode. Can I ask you a little bit about um, ask you a little bit about Jetpack and uh, Plastic Baby Heads? Is that fair game? I guess it is. Sure. Okay. Go well, ahead. good. Because I wanted to ask you, how long have you been doing uh, Plastic Baby Heads now? Because I remember when you first got picked up by Go Comics, and I look at you talk about a comic strip evolving. Oh yeah, it's changed you know, a lot. Tell me about that. Well, <laughs> hey, this isn't about me. Well, I, um, I want to make it a little bit about you. <laughs> I mean, I think it is the similar. I love that's part of why we do comic strips, like you yeah. said earlier. It's yeah. why we do comic strips and not graphic novels. Yeah. And, and I think for me, well, OK, it started as a lark. I was mm-hmm. publishing uh, with Kevin Much, uh, um, another cartoonist who does a wonderful uh, comic graphic novel called um, The Moon Prince, which is fabulous. And, and if you want to see it, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, look up Kevin Much, M U T E H. Anyway, he and I together printed uh, an oversized uh, newspaper. It was a um, uh, a big broadsheet newspaper for cool. com. And and the idea this was back in 2010. It was called Pood, P O O D. And okay. we we wanted to find all kinds of people who were interested in doing comic strips and. We gave them each a single page that was like 17 by 24. So it was hearkening back to all oh, yeah. the comics pages. So I was doing a bunch of collages and things for it. And then at the end, there was somebody who bailed, you know, at the last minute on one of the pages. They didn't make the deadline. So everybody who was working on the, on the newspaper did a little comic strip. And I, I, I had this idea and I just put it down. And then I had another idea and another idea. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yep. And. I'd been doing pretty sticking pretty much to comic books and doing a lot of alternative comic books, art comics, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, um, so, but I started doing this thing, and the little the story just started to grow, and it was an absurdist story. Right. And I have kind of a quirky sense of humor, and it was funny to me. And for the fun of it, I just kept doing it. And then I had like a year's worth of stuff, and I think I went to Go Comics with a, as a lark, never thinking anything 
who's going to accept something called Plastic Baby? And right. Well, <laughs> that's the only reason I wanted to ask I mean, you about. I remember right. when it came out, and I remember sitting there looking and going, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah, oh, man. And <laughs> I, I, it was crazy. And, and it was hard to do it because I wasn't used to put my stuff up there and, and getting, uh, you know, basically ripped apart in the comment section yeah, and right. talk about, you know, it was, it was, that was hard. That was hard because yeah. nobody seemed to like the strip for the right. first years. Anyway, I, I go comics was, it was great. I put everything into it. I worked my ass off on it and, uh, I did it while I was just beginning chair of the art department. And this, oh yeah. <laughs> so I was doing both at the same time. Ooh, you're a brave man. Uh, you know, the goal, being a comic strip artist was what I'd always wanted to be when I was yeah. 18 years old. That's, yeah. I was working on comic strips then trying to get them sold, although we didn't know yeah. anything about how to do it back then. Sure. And, uh, cause it was all a mystery back in the late seventies when I was, <laughs> I bet it was. I, hey, look, yeah. it was a mystery for me too in the eighties. So I right. can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, there was no information. There's no, no information information to tell you what scale there weren't any blue line pro you know it was bristol no. board pages that were lined and stuff and then there was nobody there weren't any copy machines i had to travel to get my first comic strip copied to send to a syndicate i had to travel an hour and 20 minutes away or something from my home to, wow. to get a photocopier that was big enough to photocopy the originals and even then i had to photocopy them in half and then and this is before you know there were kinkos it was anyway what a pain in the ear. so right Anyway, Go Comics put it up there, and it, it started to develop, and the story just sort of grew, and I was having a ball with it. It was, yeah, it was the you best. Can tell. Yeah, and it was, you know, even though it didn't really garner an audience yeah. to any great extent, it was so much fun to do, and uh, and I had a blast those first couple of years, and then and I had fun with with it when it turned into Jetpack too, which seemed mm -hmm. to be kind of a natural outgrowth, although. I'm very, this is one of the reasons I've kind of stopped doing it, you know, okay. uh, I've been working on something else. I've been trying to get going for a couple. Yeah. Of well, I see you come, you come and go from it. Yeah. And, and it's because I actually became too critical of it. And I don't know if yeah. that's like not a good place to be. No, it's you get not. to this point where you, you start being critical of your work and yeah. it, it's like putting the brakes on. You're like, yeah, oh, it's, that character, you know, yeah, that yeah. character sucks. And yeah. you know, it's like, it's gotten, there's nothing there. I, yeah. I don't know what to do with it. And, uh, yeah. you know, and it's like when you get to that point, you're dead in the water. Yeah, okay? you are. You know, when you don't believe in your, your comic strip anymore. And there are kernels of it that I think I, I could pull out and turn into something else. Yeah. And But, you know, at this point, I just feel so kind of I, I enjoy working on it when I've got a little thing to do. Yeah. But. You know, it's the kind of thing where I, I my passion is invested in something else. At the yeah. Moment. Oh, that and you know what? And that's something that you talk about the life cycle of a comic strip. That of like mm -hmm. Schultz, mm -hmm. like what we're talking about, let's say Schultz and let's yeah. say Seagar, too. You know, I mean, unfortunately, as young as yeah. he died, I still can't believe the oh, amount of yeah. work he created in yeah. such a short life. He was 43 when he yeah. died. That's yeah, 43. Yeah. mind bending again another mind bending thing about yeah. strips and and i think you come and go from it and at mm -hmm. least for us the thing with you and me that we have mm -hmm. now is if this were 1910 mm -hmm. quite frankly just by sheer bulk of content i'm a content provider for a, a major corporation right now mm -hmm. and when you're in the right spot a right mm -hmm. business of content creation mm -hmm. it's an endless hole you cannot yeah. create enough content 
Yeah, right. Okay. And I think that's what the newspapers were like at the turn of the century. You have mm-hmm. comic strips out there like, who can draw? Yeah. Can we get a comic strip out of this guy? Yeah. Okay. And I think you can see even then, though, they're coming and going from their comic strips. But mm-hmm. they have to keep cranking it out every oh, day. Oh, yeah, sure. Look at you how know, many they, comic strips Harriman turned out. And uh, I was George just, McManus. And, yeah. you, you know what? Your brain, seriously, I was just about to say that. Is Harriman <laughs> the perfect example? Yeah. Because everybody thinks like Harriman is just crazy cat. Well, just crazy cat. And that's all he did. And he was a wild success. Yeah. Well, and you're like, you have no or, idea. Harriman was trying to. Have you read that? Uh, is it Michael Tisserin's book? I just got it. So oh, I can't wait to dive into it's it. It's wonderful. Yeah. And the thing like that you're going to, I took away from it is how much Harriman wanted the big hit. Uh huh. And yet yep. never got it. No, we all want it. It's yeah, we true. Do. But it, yeah, we all want it. But that's, that's unbelievable, you know, because he was creating this beautiful. <laughs> Lyrical creating work. arguably the greatest comic strip of all time. <laughs> uh, I, I I vote for peanuts there, but still, you, yeah. I have I have a um I say it for me it's always it's gonna be <laughs> it's Thimble Theater, uh-huh. Peanuts, mm-hmm. Crazy Cat, okay, Lil Abner, mm-hmm. Terry and the Pirates. Okay. Those that's my top five. Oh wow, okay. You I, know, it's a great top five. It's a great yeah. group. I, believe me, I think about this. Obviously, we all do. As oh, comics. I do. I do too, right? Yeah. I think in Schultz, every day there's another. It's just like a pitcher. Well, I'm throwing. The whole point of the art form is that I throw another pitch. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm sitting there waiting and thinking, you know, I'm not going to throw a pitch until I know I have the perfect fastball. You know? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. you're going to throw it, and it's yep. going to get hit. <laughs> Some it's going to be bad. Yeah. Well, and it's in comic strips. There's no way of getting away from that. But, you know, um, I mean, because it is it, it's it's like every day. I mean, the reality of it is some days you get up and you've got a headache and you can't think and you're not going to write anything good that day. No. And some days you get up and your back hurts and some days you get up and, and you know, you're just sick to your stomach or something. you got a bad day. Your energy levels off. You know, the thing about creativity is is that uh, there are good days and bad days. The right. thing about pitching or being an athlete is there are good days and bad days the 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 goal is to find a level um that that average level that's high enough so that you know your lows are never too low yeah. you're high them to be as high as they can be but your lows are never too low and right. that that what, what that comes down to is craft it comes down to practice it comes down to having the tools at your command yeah. to to put them to use every day. And I think that's something that people forget in the in the you know the quest for immediacy and immediate gratification. Yeah. There's this you know let's just you know it's got to be done now, got to do it now, got to yeah. have it now. And you know we were talking earlier about you know uh, that idea that in the 50s or 40s when comic strips were in their heyday, you had a period of time in which you could develop. And mm-hmm. now you really you, it's it's either there or it's not. People pass over it uh, quickly. There's no time given to uh, yeah. a young cartoonist or an artist to develop a strip organically in it slowly as it should yeah. develop. You know, right. Anyway. Unless you go online and do it yourself. Well, and and, you know, and that's one of the great things, too. I mean, it, there's caveats there also. Right. I of mean, course. it's one that you have that opportunity and it's wonderful you can you can put it out there and get a small fan base and develop your strip over a couple of years and maybe nobody sees it but the caveat there is that well there's so much stuff on the web 
right. maybe nobody's ever going to see it. And, and, and nobody's going to support you in order that, you know, I mean, how many people actually make a living off of Kickstarter, you know, a good living? Uh, not, I am not aware of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. there are a few, right? And, right. and but for the most of us, it's, it's a struggle to make any money. And we've got to find another way to support ourselves. And right. Well, it is, but, it, but that's not, you know, okay. That's the situation we find ourselves in. But um, there was something else I wanted to ask you about, about Schultz's impact on your work. And, um, you know, to, oh, we were talking about the, you know, Schultz since the eighties, you were on an interesting thing there. And I thought, I thought that that was very interesting. You know, I tend to be one of those people who, who focuses in on the, the fifties and the sixties is my favorite period of Schultz. Oh, sure. I grew it up is. with it. Yeah. But one of the things that's interesting though, um, because I, you know, I'd have to say my twenties were in the eighties and thirties and the nineties. I read the newspaper, um, I read New York Times mostly during those periods of time, no comic section. So I wasn't following it on a day-to-day basis. I followed it on the weekends and every now and again during the day. You know, this is pre-internet, right? Before I go to the newspaper to read Peanuts every day. Right. Um, I loved it always, but wasn't as obsessed with it. And then I got the Fantagraphics collections and um, started really reading stuff since the 80s and the stuff where peppermint patty really comes to the fore i mean charlie brown yeah backseat to peppermint patty and i agree it becomes a peppermint patty strip and that's a huge difference you know huge difference, difference between what happened before and what comes next because charlie brown and linus and lucy who were crucial to the early development there's like this um the relationships between the three of those characters or schroeder and snooki the relationships is is in some ways, very iconic and very simple and very well-defined. Peppermint Patty is a much more complicated character in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't know what to do with her, quite honestly. I've thought about her, and I don't know what to do with her. Well, you know, I mean, she's on the one hand, she's overbearing, right? And her her relationship with Charlie Brown is always difficult and and, um, one in which they're miscommunicating with one another all the time. And at the same time, she's incredibly insecure. And, you know, yeah. Charlie is, is really one thing after he fully develops. He's just insecure Charlie Brown. Right. Depressed and neurotic. Peppermint Patty can be both. And, uh, um, oh, that's perform- interesting. Yeah. You know, it's, it is what happens in those later, you know, 20, 30 years of, of Peanuts, I think is, is um, as you were saying, it's kind of a different strip. And yeah. it's, it's a it's if you were to come at it from without knowing anything about the early stuff and just come at it as a peppermint patty strip it's a very strange and oddball and quirky strip yeah. it's it's a fascinating strip but it's it's very different from what went before and i don't understand it entirely and i think that's something that we get confused about as peanuts mm-hmm. fans and we make the mistake of reaching the conclusion that therefore it's not as good yeah yeah um, I agree. it's different and it doesn't yeah. it, it's not conforming to the expectations we have of earlier peanuts. It's doing something else. Right. Which of course, what you would do ideally is if you were the syndicate, you'd fire Charles Schultz and you would (laughs) hire someone who would give you 20 more years of hack work. Yeah. It's just them trying to reanimate the corpse of the 1966 peanuts. Fire Bobby London and just run. Yes. Absolutely. You would never hire Bobby London in the first place. If you're smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, oh I boy, that was an experiment. Yeah. yeah I, 
I just wish um, the thing that I, I think we're all that the Fanta graphics is a big I like that you mentioned that because I think it's a big factor in the next phase of assessing Schultz's peanuts Absolutely. is understanding the pre 1960 peanuts. Yeah. And yeah. in understanding the post 1980 peanuts. There's, yeah, there's a lot to do there. There's so there's much a lot there. of work there. I agree. So you much know, to It'd be almost like saying like a Beatles. Well, yeah. Hey, boy, that Sgt. Pepper was a great album. Yeah. And then dismissing everything that came. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we didn't pay any attention to anything prior to Rubber Soul because, you know, they yeah. weren't really doing anything. Uh, or, then, you know, or, let's be frank. You know, let, let it be and all that stuff. Nothing was going on there either. Right. Yeah. Or or just focusing on the early hits and none of the later stuff. You well, know, right. Do that with the Beatles. and Which is true, too. My mom was like that. She said, oh, I stopped listening to the Beatles when Revolver came out. Right. It's too weird. <laughs> She wanted, you know, she wanted uh, uh, meet the Beatles for the rest of her life. Yeah, and I, I guess it, it's it's up to us as artists and cartoonists really to sort of carry it forward in a lot of ways because you know casual fans are just going to come in and listen and read and and they'll come and go right and they'll just pick yeah. and choose what they like. People like yourself and and me, um, we're going to dive into it headfirst because you know as I as I tell my students in a lot of ways, um, you know, art is not just about individuals. It's about handing off the baton for all of us who are interested in doing, you know, three and four panel comic strips. I don't think he meant it to end with him. You know, I think he meant it to to go on. And people like yourself and myself, we're going to be diving into this material and learning from it and taking from it and putting it to use, you know, yeah. in, in our own work. Well, he's again, he's like Joyce. Um, you're, it's uh, that pointillism, that detail that you you can't. I don't think in one lifetime that we could any one person is going to be able to mine uh, yeah. uh, peanuts. Yeah, it's 50 years of work. It's it's, it's 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 an exhaustive uh, exploration. It is a game changing experience of what makes a comic strip a comic strip to the point yeah. that contemporary comic strips in a large degree, we have become parodies of peanuts. Yeah. Oh, in what way? Go, tell me what way. Well, we're kind of stuck. Like, I think we're kind of stuck with this idea of a three. To, we have to do it in three to four panel. Yep. Okay. We need to have a certain, uh, what do we want to want? Not necessarily just a punchline at the end, but I'm trying, I'm trying to, you know, this is something that I've been trying to articulate for a while now to myself, because I always put them in, I put Popeye and um, Thimble Theater in comparison to Peanuts but mm-hmm. then also my big giant in the room is Lil Abner. Uh-huh. Okay. And I try to envision them, especially Lil Abner and Peanuts, I try to envision them on the same newspaper page on mm-hmm. a given day. And I like looking at old, old newspaper pages from the 50s. Mm-hmm. When I, you're looking at these heavily inked panels from uh, Milk Kniff, you're looking at Lil Abner, you're looking at Al Cap. You're looking at the soap opera strips. You're looking at the adventure strips. And then there's this weird thing in the corner <laughs> that yeah. is this weird minimalist doodle. Yeah. And it's called Peanuts. Yeah. And now I look at the comics page, if we can call it that, right. I will. And it's all doodle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very it's, much. Like say, it's, it's, like, it's like saying everything has to be Sgt. Pepper now. Or, or yeah, although it never rises to that level. No. You know? Oh, well, no. I mean, it, yeah. you can't. Yeah, that's a good point. It, you can't. 
It's, and it's so a- we're stuck in this in this cycle of constantly. And I would say to an extent, and you have to be careful here, that Calvin and Hobbes and Bloom County, who, which I think are the two giants yeah. of the 80s. Yeah. Aside from London's Popeye, which I now am placing in their company, um, there is a we're trapped, and it's by by our need, our vocabulary. Peanuts is an oxygen that we all breathe, myself yeah. included. Yeah. It's a given. We can't yeah. even conceive of comic strips not being like Peanuts. No, we can't. Right, and, and the rhythm. We, Right, exactly. So, I mean, that would be something if I were to tease that idea out. I would want to know about. I would want to talk about the rhythm of the strip. I'd want to talk yeah. about the space it occupies in on the page. Yeah, and how you set up a joke. And, and yeah, oh, it's it's all peanuts now. It is very and much. It's, it's not Al Cap. It's not uh, Milk Kniff. It's not Cliff Starrett. Any number. It's not EC Seeger. Yeah, there's none um, of the. I, I mean, look on the comics page for the, for those kinds of sensibilities, and you don't find them. Like you said, no. Al Cap, the closest to Al Cap. What is what is the closest to Al Cap or Walt Kelly? Right, is probably uh, Gary Trudeau. Uh, maybe. Yeah, about, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's. I love Doonesbury and I love Gary Trudeau. Yeah. And if that is the closest that we can get to Al Cap and Walt Kelly, they're just to me. There's. That it, you are, you are right in the sense that you've got to be invested in the storylines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the the strip to me though there there's nothing on the comics page now that yeah. even really remotely other than in that regard remotely approaches something like uh, Pogo or oh, no. uh, or Little Abner or Terry and right. the Pirates. Right. It, and the risk can't that be done. They, and the, and the willingness of the artists Walt Kelly and Al Cap. Um, to trust in their audience, to uh, to have faith in their audience and in the in the intelligence of their audience. Yeah. Keep up with what they're doing, to care yeah. about the characters, to be invested enough that they follow the story. But yeah. also they they will not just look for immediate gratification. No, they They'll will not look for something, something deeper, something else, something that's going to be a little richer than that. The I language agree. is different. You know, the language that they utilize, even and this is true of Schultz, too. The language Schultz utilizes um, is not, you know, geared towards that, uh, you know, very quick, um, oh, you know, colloquialism that we yeah. we, so, we fall into so easily today. Memes. Yeah, memes. Right. You know, it's it's interesting now that I think about it, the colloquialisms we used and the memes we use that are repeated over and over again. And I'm guilty of this, too. Of we all use phrases that are very much pop part of the moment you know of the moment in our work as a way of getting kind of a cheap laugh if i'm to say that but schultz uh kelly uh al cap they're writing in a language right that's very specific and unique to the strip i agree and and it's much richer in terms of language uh in that way and this is not to denigrate no uh, uh, anybody's achievements who's who's working in the comics world today you know no, there's some great i call them meme comics now and there are yeah. some really clever like you know i mean the big one for me is 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 awkward yeti um, oh yeah sure heart and sure. brain i mean there are some uh, sarah's scribbles i mean there are some foul language i mean there are yeah. some great um, oh yeah you know what i would call more memeish oh, humor absolutely. shareable content yeah yeah okay. and, and it's and eminently shareable stuff correct you know? 
Right. Um, but, you know, uh, if you go back to the stuff that builds organically, it builds an audience organically, just like we're saying, slowly over time, it's not eminently shareable stuff. You no, know? it's not. Little Abner's not shareable and no, neither not. is Walt Kelly and, no. uh, and or Cliff Starrett, you know, it's right. like. Uh, or I would agree the late the late phase of Peanuts. Yeah, totally. You know? Schultz is talking to his audience. That's part of the thing is Schultz is talking. And this is a really good point you bring up. And it's my it is my biggest is one of the things that I look at right now is our biggest challenge facing us as comic strip artists mm -hmm. is that we are dealing with an audience that has forgotten how to read a comic strip. Or um, maybe in, in, in the terms that we're talking about, or maybe they haven't had the opportunity. Correct. You yes, you're right. Yeah. They have not been taught. Like, again, if you're reading to be too high minded about it, I, forgive me. Um, you know, you're looking at someone like Joyce. You're looking at modernists. You're looking at uh, other uh, other situations in which a creator is wrestling, trying to uh, bring his or her audience to a type of understanding. There's a lot of training that goes into that. They're mm -hmm. teaching the audience how to read their art. Right. Right. Well, certainly in the process of making the art, yeah. I would say Schultz is no different. And yep. it took him that many years and he was so successful at it that now we only speak his language. Yeah. In terms of pacing, timing, rhythm, in terms mm -hmm. of, of, of uh, syllables that are allowed for a comic strip, yeah. at least syndicated comic strip. You know, uh, when we talk about web comics, they come in all kinds of different flavors. But again, those that are really successful that have the 20,000 shares or 20,000 likes on Instagram, yeah. whatever, like foul language or Sarah scribbles or any, those are very much part of that eminently shareable world. And that, world right. of, uh, that, that immediately understandable language that, you know, also partakes of that same world of the single panel strip, you know, the far yeah. side stuff. Um, people understand that they love those kind of collections. Those kinds of things are, are shareable and seem to be resonating in the pop in the, in the popular culture. Unlike comic strips that you and I are talking about, which and, and newspaper comics in particular, which really don't have the reach, you know, that Schultz had. I mean, the no. last comic strip that really had that kind of reach was I'm thinking of Calvin and Hobbes is really yeah. the main one and Bloom County, which because he came and went and it wasn't in constant reruns, I think has lost a lot of that, um, that connection. To yeah, Hobbes. I agree. But Calvin and Hobbes is still going strong in repeats and uh, there's a huge audience for it still. That still. one, you know, has had a cultural impact on the Schultz level, you know, um, I agree, but, but nobody since then really. Uh, well, you know, I think part of it is, um, like I think of awkward Yeti as uh -huh. viewing that the same way people must have viewed peanuts when it first showed up. Maybe so. Yeah. On the site where it's like, what is this? Yeah. You know, it's and a it, new language and it's very, it also seems to speak, you know, to, to the moment. I mean, the, the characters and the characterizations, you know, heart and brain. I mean, that's beautiful, really. Oh, they're that's, brilliant. That's just beautiful. What a wonderful kind of distillation. Uh, well, know. I remember when he started doing that, I thought heart and brain. And there are people who have done brilliant stuff like yeah. that, but he nails it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he just nails it perfectly. He does. And do. it's, it's, a, it's so it's it, it, in my opinion, it expands the vocabulary available to the comic strip in the way that Schultz did, except for this. 
we are dealing with, again, an audience, in my opinion, that is too busy Mm -hmm. being pandered to and not busy enough wrestling with the comic. Well, here's the thing. I I agree with you. And here's the thing. Heart and brain. It's immediately understandable. God, you you don't need. You don't need any other. You don't need Charlie Brown and you don't need Lucy. Nope. You've got heart and brain right there in front in of there. you. And boom, you know, that's yep. it. So you don't have to invest in the characters. You can share that and read one every six months and understand yeah. it perfectly. You know? Which I think Nick is aiming for. I think I think Awkward Yeti is aiming for that because it knows that that's the terrain. That well, I think that's the part of the brilliance. It's part of yes, it you know, accepting, you know, your place your time and place and, right. and creating yes. for that bingo exactly yeah. you're not going to see heart and brain go off on a six-month adventure to goon land yeah exactly, okay, which exactly. It, it better not because if it does yeah. it's going to kill itself well and i think you and i talked about this once a long time ago maybe in a facebook exchange or something where uh briefly mentioned the idea that animation seems to be a place now where you can do those kinds of trips you know yeah. but you can't really do it in a comic strip anymore you can't even do it in a web comic it's kind of no. hard if you want a big following, the kind of following. We're well, and that's exactly where I wanted to go with this is that you're at the point. One of the things that I think we're going to find with web comics, and it's one thing I'm very interested in doing, is reintroducing the notion of cultivating an audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And saying, okay, do I have a, I have a small audience? Well, yes. Is it because my strip sucks? Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But that said, I Far do seem it. to have some people in yeah. the room. Mm-hmm. You do, and, and I'm you one know. of them. Yes, thank you. And I think that's for a lot of us. And I think strips are we're prol- proliferating in that way. And mm-hmm. I think we need to understand as comic strip artists the degree to which we need to cultivate, help our audiences understand how to read our strips. Yeah, if they will give it the time. If they will give it the time. Well, those are the folks, and they'll drop off if they don't. I yeah. It's it's a it's a sad part. I want everyone to stick around, but not all of them are, and you don't want all of them to in some cases because <laughs> the strip you're doing is not their bag, and you yeah. wind up like in a situation like you were talking about where you're on Go Comics having a bunch of people complaining that yeah. you don't have a, a money shot punchline at the end yeah. of every strip. Yeah, yeah, and which is if you're not doing that, I mean, you do you do, and especially in that venue which was so interesting to me because i too came from comic books which was a different kind of sensibility completely different when i got to go comics and the i realized the audience was expecting something totally different yeah and and you know it was a shock to me at first uh to realize it is is shocking it's shocking yeah and it because it is comic strip readers are very different from comic book readers and they expect you know, a certain formula and a certain, like you said, a certain payoff at yeah. the end. And we've come to believe that that's what a proper comic strip. And it's the only done. way to do it. Yeah. You know, and, the, and, the limitation of the vocabulary, it would be mm-hmm. like looking at a painter and saying, well, you used a color other than red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's called painting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we use more than red. Yeah. You know? yeah we do. We do. And, you know, I think it's yeah, it's going to be the same color. shift. I think Schultz faced mm-hmm. it. I mm-hmm. think um, every, you know, I to be frank with you, I mean, it's always been a, a thing, any art form. But, you know, the Beatles faced it, changing their sure. vocabulary. Yeah. All the, if, And so if even the greatest ones are facing those issues, mm-hmm. we should expect that just being the people that we are on a day to day basis. Yeah. You know, I, I think as you said that I was thinking about Schultz 
and he had to create his audience too. There wasn't an audience. Yes, he did. You know, he had to create an audience. I mean, I, I remember Al Cap dissed Schultz in in a couple of strips. Uh, maybe they were in the middle sixties <laughs> or something. Yeah, I just thought. Yeah, and and you know, I, I think it was, and and I think uh, Ernie Bushmiller uh, had said some some things about too many words in a strip. You know, yes, responded to with too many words in his strip. And, you know, you realize, wow, there was a negative response to some of what he was doing, too. There were people Absolutely. who looked at the artwork and said, you know, this is too minimalist. Hey, and, where are the know, backgrounds, Chuck? Where are the backgrounds? And Schultz just kept going. He had to face up to it and and create his audience, too. And ultimately, you know, he turned all of us into his audience, which is the greatest achievement. Yes, he did. And there's uh, and I think and at point at some points to the detriment of the form. You know, it'd be like saying, you know, again, you know, every every musical band I has to have, you know, a lead guitar, a rhythm guitar, a bass and a drum, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. and, you know, OK, look, uh, no, you don't. Um, I think. But I'll tell you what, we are unaware of the degree to which because it's just the oxygen we breathe is Charles yeah, Schultz. Now. Exactly. We can includes back. Watterson and all the rest of them. Yeah, we all. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and I think Watterson is one of the first people to say, at least in things I think I, I maybe. I don't want to quote him or paraphrase him without referring to it, but I think he's he's made, you know, he's acknowledged his debt to Schultz. How couldn't he? Yeah, sure. You know, and we all we we all do that. I think. Right. Well, it's um, just the, it's be like saying, well, I'm not I'm going to speak a new language. It's just it's gobbledygook. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's it's what you're speaking is Schultzism. <laughs> you know, we all speak yep. it now. We all yeah. speak it. Yeah. Uh, I think well, two. But just two things that I wanted to drop before I yeah, yeah, got. Please do. One yeah. is Al Cap. Yeah. And, you know, I there are definitely times I go through phases like anybody else. The, the most brilliant strip, the perfect comic strip is Lil Abner. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. it has its universe. Talk about generating new characters. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is. It's wonderful. Uh-huh. But Al Cap one time, I loved that he said, I think he said about uh, Peanuts that not even – not even the characters in Dog Patch could be as mean to each other as the kids are in Peanuts. Oh, that's fascinating. The Never... kids in Peanuts are just vicious. Yeah. Like... And there he's right. The mm-hmm. other thing is I'm just looking at one of these Popeye reprint books. And mm-hmm. on the back of it, it has a quote here from Charles Schultz. Oh, wow. And it says uh, regarding Thimble Theater. The perfect comic strip, says Charles uh, M. Schultz. Uh-huh. You know, and I, it, it's uh, all they all travel. They all drink from the same water. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I was just thinking to myself, I wonder if Schultz ever wanted to do an adventure, you know, a comic adventure strip like Popeye. And then I think, well, you know, he did kind of do that in some of the animated specials, you know, and some of well, the animated... just with 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 P, with um, um, uh, Snoopy. Yeah. Oh, well, exactly. I mean, I think that's the impetus for Snoopy and the Red Baron and the war strips and being able to Snoopy occupies all places at all times at some point. Yeah. Snoopy, Snoopy does it. And and then, you know, we were talking about the later last years of the strip and, you know, Snoopy's brothers and all of that, that sort of derived in a way that there's there's cigar coming out. in. I think so, too. And I think now, is he as successful at it? I don't know. You know, uh, I'd have to look at them again. I haven't looked at them. Yeah, before. I know what you mean. I I always found with the stories about Spike and and whatnot, I I always kind of drifted when I was reading those. Well, me too. And part of that though is because, in my opinion, one thing I have to deal with is that I'm wondering, well, where's the where's the kite eating tree? 
Yeah, I know. I know. You know, I'm not giving again. It's the problem. Like Schultz is competing with himself at that. He's point. competing with himself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a part- the, quite that's- a quite a situation to be in. Yeah. It's like Paul McCartney <laughs> trying to. Absolutely. Well, you know, and that I'll tell you what, McCartney and Schultz, I put in a similar category because. Yeah. What do you do? Do you just stop doing it? No. Well, right. no. But now I'm interested in seeing. So what do you do when you're in that situation? Yeah. What does your art look like then? We 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 will be lucky if we have the opportunity. To oh. Well, I'm I'm 20 years behind, <laughs> so I better live to be about 120 or so. <laughs> yeah, I me too, right? Maybe right. I'll have a chance, but I, it oh. is it is one of those things where it's a question that I wish more more of us would address, rather than being the taking the easy perspective, which is wow, I'm really disappointed that this isn't another uh, kite eating tree strip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And say, well, what, what if we what if we approach it on its own merits? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what is happening here that mm-hmm. we can look at as, uh, you know, readers of Charles Schultz's body of work? Mm-hmm. You know, which is what it is. You know, you're looking well, at. And there are some great classic strips in in the late half of the strip. Yes. You know, there really are. I mean, the the Charlie Brown with the bag over his head at camp. Yeah. It's just one of the classic. The talking buildings. The buildings yeah. start talking. Yeah, I know. Really fascinating, you know, uh, changes there and development. Yeah. Really so to me, the biggest, the biggest, most fascinating change, though, is his line. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, well, I keep coming back to that. And the character, Schultz's line is its own character throughout the lifetime of the strip. It is. Do you yeah. know, one of the things that I think I, I learned and from looking at the artist's edition is that, do you know, I don't think he's doing hardly any pencil drawing. Hardly any. It's like, and I think at the end, even when we talk about the shaky line, think about this for a minute. I don't think the guy is doing hard. He's doing rudimentary pencil drawing, if any. Working with a croquil pen point, you know, dipping it in ink and drawing. And and, so shaky line or not, I mean, and shaky line has got its own. Oh, I love it. I I just love it. Yeah. And and it's never that shaky. I mean, it's like, you know, it's got, uh, it's not the perfectly you know uh formed line of the early days but no but you know it's got it's got character it's got gravitas you know absolutely and uh but i mean this is a guy who's sitting there and he's drawing without doing much in the way of pencil drawing which is well unbelievable i can't i i know that i've read i've seen interviews with him where he says that he pencils everything in except the faces because he wants to keep the ink line alive. Well, when I look at the, the drawing, the artist edition, there's hardly any pencils. I'm not, I'm hardly not. any. And a little bit of white out every now and again, usually yeah. in the text. But right. other than that, I think he misspelled Coco a couple of times. <laughs> other than that, it's like looking at a Mozart, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised at all. He's. He is, um, he is, uh, what, what do they call it? Ex, ex, um, he is of the moment. It's, uh, everything is extemporaneous. I think he believed in that. I think he really believed in the, um, in that expressive quality in the line. I mean, you've read what he says about drawing with the pen and ink and the line quality. And he talks about the line and the level line and how, you know, cartoonists in the eighties and nineties maybe weren't, you know, working with as much level line. Although when you look at Bloom County and, and Watterson's work and you oh, know, definitely Watterson. You, oh my gosh. Well, and, and Britta too, you know, um, yeah. but 
when when he's talking about it, you can tell he that means so much to him and that expressiveness and that immediacy of expression is so important to what yeah. he does. you know um i could spend my whole life trying to to do that and i can't you know ah. i think Schultz does is exquisite and he does it with such unforced you know, I know it's it's envious. It's enough to make you. Well, that's like you're saying, like the pressure of it. That's when it becomes intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. And easy yeah. to say, well, I never want need to. I'm never going to touch a pen again. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can't do that because that's part of the game. You know, yeah. Schultz, you talk about his, you know, adventure strip. Well, you know, I know my understanding is a big Buzz Sawyer fan, big fan. Of uh, he was. Yeah, how, Roy- how couldn't he be? You yeah. know, that's that. Talk about the dominant strip of an era that yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Right, no, and and the quality of artwork that Roy Crane did too. Oh well, yeah. I mean, you you know, you look at those. Well, you know, we all lament the loss of that quality of like you know Alex Foster uh, or Hal Foster, Alex Alex Raymond or Hal Foster. I mean, right, just like all these guys are Rembrandts. Yeah. You know, but but again, you know, I don't want to short shrift. You know, people who are working on Go Comics. There's a wonderfully illustrated strip now. uh, by Steve Conley. Uh, what's the name of it? It's no, the Middle Age, is it called? Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. There, I mean, when I look at the quality of illustration that's out there, you know, there's no doubt that there are people with the chops. Correct. It's whether they're applying themselves to this kind of form that we're right. talking Right, and that's one of the drags about not having the investment in the form yeah. from the corporations is that, well, it's like any other type of patronage where yeah. the folks go reasonably and understandably where the money is yeah exactly and it's well, uh, well there you go well brad this has been fantastic it's really oh, thank you conversation i really, I really enjoyed it, it. Uh, anytime yeah. to talk about schultz is a great time well you know what i think we'll do this again i, think I would we, love that i think we i think it sounds like you and i have a lot more to talk about and i think that we could sit down at uh and, and have another chat that would go on just as long because uh, there's so much to cover in terms of Schultz. And- there, there's always something new to talk about with Schultz. And the fact that we have this body of the Fantagraphics books to go through now, too. Yeah. We actually have a reference library. Yeah, we could we could go through books together. and, and That would know, be a blast. It would be a blast. So uh, thank you very much. Good oh, luck you. with Pirate Mike. And, I appreciate uh, that. You know, continued success. Uh, I'm loving the strip. So I think whatever you're doing is working. And I hope the audience just keeps expanding. Well, my my best wishes to you with your work as well, uh, and we'll be able to watch each other go through it. Great, great. Okay, so that brings us to the conclusion of our two-part interview with Brad Perry, the cartoonist of Pirate Mike on GoComics.com, about Charles Schultz and Peanuts and Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, and Pirate Mike too. I hope you enjoyed it as much as Brad and I did. Uh, it was great to have the opportunity to, to chat with him about Charles Schultz and comic strips in general and the future and past of comic strips, where we're going and where we're at right now. Uh, In the future, near future, I hope, to line up a couple of more interviews and uh, sit down and talk comics and Charles Schultz and Peanuts uh, with cartoonists whose work I really admire. I'm going to try to line up a couple of interviews in the next few weeks. So those should hopefully be happening here on the the site uh, relatively soon. Uh, While you're waiting for that, uh, check out Brad's work at uh, gocomics.com. Pirate Mike is the comic strip, and he's updating on a regular basis, so there's lots to read there. 
My own work can be found at jeffgrogan.com. That's G-E-O-F-F-G-R-O-G-A-N.com. And uh, you can see everything that I've, not everything, but you can see a bunch of what I've done over the last 10 years or so right there at jeffgrogan.com. You can also buy my stuff. Uh, you can pick up a couple of comics here and there. So uh, check it out. You'll, you can find out about Plastic Baby Heads, Jetpack Jr., uh, Bella Dilemma, which is my new work, and uh, my art comics, too. Look Out Monsters and Flash. Uh, what the hell was the name of the other one? Fan Dancer. You know you've done too much work when you can't remember the titles of everything. Oh, well, such as it is. Before I go, it would be remiss of me not to mention the passing of the great Kay Ballard at the age of 93 on January 22nd of this year. As listeners of the podcast know, it is Kay Ballard's voice you hear at the very beginning and at the very end of every episode of Blockhead. Kay Ballard played one of the most fully formed and original Lucys, to my knowledge, on a wonderful recording in 1962 with Arthur Siegel as Charlie Brown. And uh, I just want to say thank you, Kay, for the inspiration. Uh, Thank you for the laughs. And uh, thank you for Lucy. Uh, Until next time, thanks for listening.